0: Are you in yet?
1: Nearly. It's my belt. Your belt? It's stuck on the on the windowsill latch.
0: <sighs> really? Yes!
1: Really? Hang on. there.
0: Whoa. Shh. Be careful.
1: I'm fine. Thanks for asking.
0: You're making too much noise.
1: It's not as if anyone is listening. I'm breaking into a morgue, not some patriotic peppers paranoia party. I'm in the main corridor.
0: It should be on your left. Second door. The one after the restroom. Did you have to say restroom? I'm bursting. Seriously?
1: I had coffee. I needed it. It's not every day I commit a crime.
0: Just hurry up.
1: I'm in. You certain it's her body?
0: I I don't want to be- I told you, Clem said he'd leave her out.
1: Uh, This is so
0: creepy. I still don't know why you need this photo.
1: I can't have a story without proof. Oh my god, she's here and-
0: What? What is it? Uh, Her- Archie, don't stop talking. Her neck quit with the suspense in her neck the bite holes on both sides Just take a picture and get out stop police Keep still put your hands where I can see them. Uh, Hey, Lenny Archie What are you doing
2: here?
1: Well, it's a medium length story.
2: (laughs) Well, you can tell me it at the station
1: away from the dead bodies uh, let let me uh, let me tie your shoelace. It's untied. Let Ooh, me tie that, it. I don't want you to. Uh, yeah, I have a bad ankle already. I can't have you falling. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Archie.
3: That's okay, Lenny. <laughs> Blood Diner, by Daniel Williams. The first half. So you may be asking, why is a bright,
1: articulate, ambitious young man sitting in a police cell having been caught breaking into Thornberry's morgue on a Thursday night and helping tie the shoelaces of a local detective on the way? It's a good question. And I like good questions because, after all, I'm a reporter. Oh, please, excuse me. Let me introduce myself. I'm Archie, Archie Fruber. Yes, I know both family names handed down to me and I'd love to ram them straight back where they came from. I'm a reporter with the Huron City Bugler. For three years, I've rotted away without a decent story to make my name with, and I'm desperate for a big story to make some kind of name for myself and get out of this town and find a job in a real city. I get assigned to the stolen cars, the pothole repairs, and the walleye washing festivals. All the real scoops go to Dennis Blaine, senior reporter and all-around foul stench in the newsroom. So let's get to why I was in a police cell, waiting for my housemate to sell enough hash brownies for my bail, and the story I was chasing that got me there in the first place. Flashback. It was Monday morning, in the Huron City Bugler's newsroom think tank. It was less than a think tank and more of a weekly meeting of Idiots Anonymous. Dennis Blaine wedged in his leather chair and swiveled in semicircles like a first grader. Craig and Cindy talked about potato and egg muffins, while editor and owner Harvey Scallion Jr. sipped coffee, threw a straw,
4: and barked. Craig, there's been a spate of hubcap thefts in the North End. Go and see if Harry's Hubcap Emporium has new stock. And Cindy Bonnie Bonnie's Bakes and Bagels have upped their prices while decreasing the size of their tasty treats, and our readers want to know why.
1: Harvey Scallion Jr. was the fourth Scallion to own the Bugler. His great-grandfather, Randolph Scallion II, had been printing paper for Huron City when it was nothing more but a spittoon for ships making their way across the Great Lakes. The Scallions had their fingers in just about each and every business since then, so that meant that the Huron City Bugler was about as impartial as a parent stepping into Referee Little League on Sunday. Fruber! There's been a flock of geese stealing washing off of
4: clotheslines down by the Greywater Bridge. I want you to interview the residents about their missing garments. And maybe see if you can't find a well-dressed goose or two. Mr. Scallion, I was hoping you'd let me follow
1: up on that story we were discussing last week. The story in question involved $100,000, the Huron City Mayor, the traveling Irish butcher, and a llama named Lucille. Something big was lurking behind those players. Oh, that one? I've given that to Dennis. He
2: knows people. You see, Arch, Archie, Bold. I have a half-cousin who works for the mayor. I'll be able to get closer to the action.
1: Dennis Blaine was related to most of the Huron City and Greywater area in some way or another. He had more cousins than a rabbit on Old Man Hobson's abandoned carrot farm.
2: I've already been invited to the mayor's town hall reception this week. I'll be mingling and investigating while sampling those delicious uh, canips. Canopies? They're called canopies? Oh no, <laughs> they don't just serve cans of peas. There are these little tasty things he serves during the mingling part of the evening. Yes, I know what canapes are. Ah, oh, poor boy. Maybe one day you'll get to mix with a crust of Huron City's finest. Just leave this one to me and get back to your cubbyhole. You see, you're still a cub reporter. <laughs> oh, 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 ah, so good. I'm so good with words.
1: And so I found myself down by the Greywater Bridge while Blaine was left to cover the story, my story, and one he'd had just about as much interest in as a nun opening a nudist colony during Lent. I spied a sock-wearing goose, and I was just about to give chase when my phone rang. Hello? Who is this?
5: Is this Mr. Fruber, cub reporter for the Bugler?
1: Yes, but I'm not actually still a cub reporter. I
5: need to meet you, on condition of complete confidentiality. I have a story that will drain your blood. I'll be upstairs, all in scarlet.
1: We met at the Crooked Rook, the only cafe in town not connected to Scallion, or any of Blaine's crust of Huron City. She sat upstairs, a strawberry beret and an even brighter red lipstick giving her away just as she's said.
5: Thank you for coming, Mr. Fruber.
1: Call me Archie.
5: I'd rather not. Mr. Fruber, what do you know about the stinking cadaver coffee bar and apothecary?
1: The only thing I knew about the stinking cadaver was that I was banned from going in there after chasing a story that involved a proprietor, Eddie Spangler, and the exporting of contraband emu jerky. Turns out I'd spelled his name wrong, and Freddy Spangler made it to Argentina with a freighter load of meat. Well, I nearly lost my job.
5: They have a basement that they rent out. Different parties and groups can hire it, but it's all very under the carpet. I thought you said it was in the basement. All very hush-hush, Mr. Fruber.
1: As she spoke, I saw fear in her eyes. Or it could have been grit from one of those rock cages suspended over the ceiling.
5: One such group is the Blood Sorrow Gathering. Have you heard of it?
1: The Blood Sorrow Gathering?
5: Yes, the Blood Sorrow Gathering.
1: What's the Blood Sorrow Gathering?
5: You've not heard of the Blood Sorrow Gathering? No. The Blood Sorrow... Sorrow
1: Gathering, yes. Yes.
5: ...is a role-playing society that has been going many, many, many years.
1: I knew of such societies, acting out fantasy to make up for the dullness of Huron City. Groups such as the Listeria Society, who reenacted the Great Listeria Outbreak of 37. Or the Tea Party Party, who stage battles over whether or not you put milk in your tea first or not. And what roles do the blood-sorrow-gathering play as?
5: Vampires, Mr. Fruber. They pretend to be Vampires.
1: And you think this is a story. Hmm. Sounds harmless enough. People gathering to share an interest, even if it is an interest in the undead. Drinking blood and taking of people's souls.
5: I was a member of the Blood Sorrow Gathering. She took off her
1: beret and her fair hair tumbled like apples from a badly stacked supermarket display. She moved it to one side, revealing two marks on her neck. So one of them went too far. Well, when you role-play with weirdos, then you get to play weird roles, I guess.
5: This was no role-play. This was real.
1: This time I was sure the tears and fear in her eyes were real.
5: There's a real vampire in there.
1: I would have asked her why she didn't go to the police, but then Huron City Police Department didn't believe Europeans existed, let alone vampires.
5: You have to uncover this before someone gets killed, or even worse, becomes one of them.
1: She left the Crooked Rook, but not before she left a name, Aurora Anderson. And she also left her beret. I went to find her to return her hat, but the street outside was empty. I had no option but to get to the stinky cadaver as it smelt like a story that could have been my ticket out of here. Despite being banned, I still had hope of access, as my housemate, Tabitha Chocolate, worked at the bar. As soon as work was done, I'd make my way there. But right now, I had an angry Harvey Scallion waiting for me. Fruber!
4: Is this all you have? One wearing a waistcoat and one in a red beret? But I have lots of distressing
1: first-hand accounts of people having to go without underwear. A news story is only as good as its pictures, Fruber. Honestly! After I'd called the angry poodle owner and failed to get him to wait for a picture, I typed in Blood Sorrow Gathering to see what the search threw up. Blaine squeaked around in his leather chair, and I could feel him preparing to regale me with his usual brand of manure. He trundled up beside me before I had time to shut my search window. But instead of insults, his face looked as white as the flower he'd once snorted in the office bathroom thinking it was cocaine. What story is
2: this? Oh, no story, Dennis. You happen to know of any blood sorrow gatherings in these parts? (laughs) Why would I know anything about your parts? I
1: meant Huron City. Do you know any blood sorrow gathering in Huron City?
2: No, I've not heard of that. You need to get back to your job. You know the policy on using the computer.
1: I did know the policy and it certainly didn't involve watching videos of old women doing their makeup and plucking their eyebrows that Blaine seemed to love. I knew he knew something about my search words, but he was unlikely to tell me the truth. I went to him about it once more and Blaine showed me the side of him he pretended didn't exist.
2: Listen good, frubber. Some things in this town are none of your business, or even my business. You want to keep your job here, then you better listen to my advice for once in your life.
1: And I did want to keep my job. I needed to pay rent, buy food, and all the other responsibilities of being alive. Plus, there was little else I could do but write, and Huron City had little use for those skills unless it was Huron City you were writing about. As soon as I'd written 350 words on the perils of potholes, I made my way straight to the stinking Cadaver. I'd tried to call my mysterious red-lipped informant so I could return her beret and hopefully see her again, but she never answered. From the street, the Stinky Cadaver looked like the set of a B-movie. Well, inside smelled of coffee and tequila mixed with small-town desperation. I wore a tattered beanie hat with an old jacket and a collar popped up, but by the look in Tabitha's eyes as I approached the bar, I'd done about as good of a job being incognito as a penguin at a barnyard dance.
0: What the heck, Archie? You look like you were ambushed by a Goodwill store. Like me,
1: Tabitha was looking for a ticket out of Huron City. But while I was looking for a big break, Tabitha was looking to save her money for an actual ticket, so she could go and travel the world, selling her homemade baked goods as she
0: went. You're banned, Archie. What do you want? What
1: do you know about the blood sorrow gathering?
0: Shh. What are you trying to do? Get me fired? Are they meeting now? No, get out. Tomorrow? Archie, the day after? I can tell you at home, you idiot. You need to leave before Eddie sees you.
1: I could hear voices behind me, and one of them was Eddie Spangler's. Tabitha looked at me and I knew in uncertain terms that I had to get out immediately.
4: Everything all right,
0: Tabby? Then walk 50 yards past Backgammon Pizzas and the bus stop to Anchor Falls is on the left strange man I've not seen before. I took the
1: hint and vacated the stinky cadaver before Eddie had the chance to recognize me. I went home and waited for Tabitha. I tried the strawberry beret woman's cell phone once more but got the same lack of reply. I kept thinking about Blaine and his panic over searching for the blood sorrow gathering. That and beret woman's bite marks told me that there was more to this than simply assemblage of socially awkward horror fans trying to get their leg over. As soon as Tabitha came home, I pressed her for more information.
0: What I can tell you, Archie, we have a lot of goofball groups use that basement. I just serve them coffee and cocktails and try not to talk to them.
1: But you must know something. This blood sorrow gathering, Blaine was definitely spooked by something. He started to sweat like a barbecued hog and the woman who contacted me was certainly worried enough to meet with me. Perhaps you recognize this
0: beret? That belongs to Bella. How did you get that?
1: So you do know
0: something. I know that's Bella's hat. I'd recognize it anywhere. I've never seen her without her beret.
1: She's not answering her phone. You heard of Aurora Randerson? Aurora Randerson? No, Aurora Anderson.
0: Aurora and his son?
1: Oh, it's easier to say in my voiceover. I need to get back into the stinking cadaver on the night the Blood Gathering gather.
0: You're not going in dressed like that. If we're going to get you in, you need to look like you might have some interest in virgins and drinking blood.
1: I had to wait a couple of days until the next gathering of the pretentious vampire wannabes. I didn't believe that there was a real vampire attending, but with Blaine's blunt manner and Bella's bruised bite marks, well, something clearly needed to be investigated. Tabitha said Bella always wore that beret. I assume she didn't need the one she'd left to the Crooked Rook either because her wardrobe was full of such headwear or something more unpleasant had befallen her. I needed to see what Aurora Anderson, see, it is easy to say in the voiceover. To see what Aurora Anderson had to say, as Bella had given me her name for a reason. In the meantime, I still had nearly 500 words of copy to complete the annual St. Arugula Blessing of the Kayak Ceremony from the previous weekend. I want that on
4: my desk by the end of the day, Fruber. And Dennis, good luck tonight. Just be discreet, this paper didn't get where it is today by indulging with indiscretions or tittle-tattle.
1: Why, of course, Mr. Scanlan. I was still sore about not being given the chance to look into the mayor and llama caper, and even though I was focused on the goofy gatherings of the stinky cadaver, I didn't want to
2: abandon what should have been my story altogether. Of course. Of course I'll bring my spinning bow tie. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. See you tonight. Are you sure I can't work this story, Blaine? After all, I was the one who
1: brought it to Mr. Scallion's attention.
2: Arch. Archie. Archibald. You know so little about this town, despite living here all your life. Den... Denny... Dennis, Den, how the hell am I supposed to get to know anything and anyone when no one gives me a break? Maybe Scanlon doesn't think you are suited to the more complex tasks of the newsroom. You know, we all have to accept our place in the world at some stage. The earlier you accept it, the less heartache you'll suffer, especially for someone with How shall we say it politely? Limitations. You have no desire to find
1: out anything about the mayor than I have desire to find out what color underpants you have on.
2: But I do have a desire to reach early retirement and the good standings with the great and good of Huron City. Blaine was close enough that I could see where he plucked his unibrow. He kept banging on about how he had only three years
1: left. Three years more in the company of this sweaty hack appealed to me about as much as brushing my teeth
2: with wool wire and preparation H. You're not got long to wait. Then you can have my position if you are not wrecked your chances by actually trying to find real news. I'm a better reporter than you, Dennis, and we both know it. <laughs> Let's just say that if you started your career my day before the age of spell checker, then your application form would have failed the first hurdle. That's just dyslexia discrimination. Now go write about kayaks, little cub. Oh, and just so you know, my
1: underpants are aquamarine. I took no more of his bait. And as soon as I finished my article, I went home and Tabitha prepared me for the blood-sorrow gathering. With her makeup skills, together with the clothes she'd borrowed, I looked like a cross between an angry clown auditioning for the Moulin Rouge and a Transylvanian
0: ventriloquist dummy. This should do. They really look like this? Sorta. Just don't go getting recognized or noticed. I'm risking my job sneaking you in.
1: You won't know I'm there.
0: Oh, I'll know you're there, all right. Just make sure no one else does.
1: Thanks to Tabitha's makeup and disguise skills, I had no problem getting past Eddie Spangler's staff. Once in, the plan was to find Aurora Anderson and fire questions at her while taking surreptitious photographs. Maybe Bella would appear, but I wasn't holding out much hope. The crowd of people dressed like they were either auditioning for a 1980s new romantic band or an extra in a soft porn pirate zombie flick. I asked around to ascertain who was Aurora, but no one seemed to understand who I was talking about. I was getting nowhere fast when in walked a figure that caused heads to turn and the room to fall quieter than a stuffed pheasant. With black hair falling down to her navel and eyes darker than a Huron City pothole, a woman in a red velvet gown with a slit down the back as far as the L5 to S1 moved through the basement. As she mingled, the atmosphere started to crackle. This had to be Aurora. And as I edged my way towards her, she was already looking at me like I could be her supper.
3: My oh my. We have some new blood in here tonight. And such a handsome package of new blood indeed. Tell me, young sir, what should I call you, as well as delicious?
1: I'd been called many things in my life, but delicious? Well, maybe once or twice now that I think of it. My name is Arch... uh,
3: Arch... Ar... Arthur. What a princely name for one so noble. Tell me... Ar... Ar... Are you really of noble breeding? Does blue blood run through every vein?
1: I was not happy at the way her eyes darkened and nostrils flared when she looked at me, nor how her eyebrows clearly had too much makeup, and certainly not when she came close to me and ran her fingernails down my neck. Now don't be shy.
3: You are allowed to speak. Aurora? Uh, Are you Aurora? It's Amora but close enough for me.
1: She moved her mouth towards my neck, while I cursed my spelling once more. But before she had the chance to do those despicable things I'd only seen in comic books, a gong rang out, and she pushed me to one side. Ah, well, we will have to do this
3: another day, but you can stay and watch, my prince.
1: She went and stood on a small platform at the end of the room, as the murmuring crowd formed two lines between which a woman in nothing but a hessian potato sack and white mask was led by two muscular men. Another man came forward. It was Eddie Spengler, manager of the joint and Tabitha's boss. Welcome, Amora of the Blood Sorrow Gathering. Tonight, we bring you an offering so that
4: you may reign for another hundred years of feasting at the Blood Diner.
1: As theatrics went, it was passable, but as a way to spend my evening, I'd rather have spent my night attending karaoke pet night at the Lithium Leprechaun. But what happened next made me glad I was there at the Stinking Cadaver, and not listening to a St. Bernard singing my way. They took off her white mask, and there, in bright red lipstick, and little else, was Bella. She sat beside Amora as more drinks were served. I sensed my chance and tried to get her attention. Bella! Bella! It's me! I've been trying to contact you! Her eyes were dark, and she clearly didn't recognize me. But then I remembered I currently looked like a gangster mime artist who'd been dressed by a child. Look! I have your beret! She put it on without a word of thanks. Who are you? It's me, Archie Fruber!
5: What? Archie, what? I- I'm sorry, it's very loud in here.
1: I cursed my timing as the gong rang again, just as I spoke. It's me, Archie Fruber from the Huron City Bugler. I thought you
3: said your name was Arthur. Fruber, what the hell are you doing here?
1: <laughs> Hi, Eddie. Quick, get him. I tried to run amid the confusion, but it was only when Tabitha appeared and turned on the lights that I was able to make my escape while role-playing vampires remained in character and turned their backs from the sudden glare. Tabitha was not speaking to me when we got home, but I was only interested in what I'd seen. Something disturbing was going on, more disturbing than people just choosing to dress up with such lack of realistic references to their source material. Amora had made me feel like a vampire snack, and Eddie Spangler talked about the rain for another hundred years. It could have been roleplay had it not been for the appearance of Bella, a woman who, two days earlier, had warned me about the blood sorrow gathering and had had no intentions of going back. If Bella had been correct, and there was a real vampire among the pretenders, then Amora Anderson was the probable candidate. I needed to find out more. Going back into the cadaver was out of the question, unless I wanted Tabitha to lose her job and Eddie to rip my lungs out, but maybe a story in The Bugler would spark some interest to bring people forward. You've got to be kidding me, Fruber! And I don't
4: like to be kidded! Now take your photographs of degenerate 'er ne'er-do-wells and get back to that story on the new 99-cent major store that's provocatively open next to the dollar sergeant.
1: I sank back into my desk, but Blaine was clearly interested in our conversation, and he was
2: not in a good mood. I heard you caused quite a scene last night, Freebird. How was your non-investigation into the mayor, Dennis? We ended up playing euchre until uh, early hours, but seriously, continue like this, and you'll be looking for another job. (laughs) I hear O'Donald is looking for a fry cook. What is it to you, Dennis? I thought you were happy to be working on the mayor. It's none of your business. Just like what goes on in that awful cafe basement is none of your business. I'm a reporter. Everything is potentially my business. Such as why you are so interested in stopping me looking into the blood sorrow gathering. <laughs> you couldn't investigate the cause of a leaky faucet, Freeber. I don't know why you believe you're so big shot when you're... You're actually a, um, eh, tiny fish in a relatively large pond. You're not going to stop me,
1: Blaine, and I will find out what you know about the freaks down at the Stinky Cadaver and Amora Anderson. At the mention of Amora's name, Blaine turned redder than a baboon's backside.
2: He pointed his finger at me and he spat his words. I'm warning you, Frobber, don't mess with Dennis Blaine or you will end up in massive pain. For you, that is. (laughs) You hear that? How clever was that? His words were about
1: as clever as the patent for a left-handed pencil, but in truth, Blaine had shaken me up. And I did need to keep my job, especially now that I had to find double the rent. Tabitha had moved out in a fit of anger, and I was going to have little joy convincing Scallion to run anything other than the stories he had assigned to me. But then a phone call from Tabitha kept my chin
0: up. Archie, my friend Clem at Thornberry's morgue has been in touch. They have her. have who? Bella, Are you sure? Yes, we were talking about the latest gossip and he mentioned they had a delivery of a woman with bite marks and a strawberry beret.
1: And so that's why I'm here, waiting for Tabitha to sell just enough of her foliage fudge fancies to pay my bail. For some reason the police thought I was in the morgue to steal formaldehyde from drug dealers who had been making faulty drug tests to sell back to the police. And well, on another day that might have been a really good story, Right now I had evidence of a blood-drained dead body caused by fan fiction that had crossed the line. Even more than usual. But it was not Tabitha who'd come to get me out. Talking to Detective Lenny Holbin was none other than Dennis Blaine. Lenny was handing him my personal items, and Blaine was taking the opportunity to look through my phone, smiling as he scrolled. Hi, Archie. Hi, Lenny. You're, you're flying low. Oh, thanks, Archie. Mr. Blaine has kindly sorted out your bail. You can go now. Blaine handed me my things
2: and we walked in silence out of the police station. I've done you a favor, little cub. And now you need to return that favor to your Lion King. Stop trying to win a Pulitzer and get back to reporting on dog poop issues on the lakeshore. And don't let your pride make you go and do something foolish. Pride. Lion. Cub. <laughs> I'm so good, so
1: good with the words. It wasn't pride that was pushing me, but a cold body and a hot scoop of a story. A story big enough to get me out of this place. As soon as Blaine drove off, I searched through my phone. First thing in the morning, I'd go to Scallion and present the pictures he loved so much. Pictures of Bella, alive and dead, within the same space of 24 hours. But as I looked through my photographs, I was filled with despair quicker than a teenager closing his laptop when he realizes he didn't lock his bedroom door. Dennis Blaine had deleted all of my photographs and videos, and the lack of serviceable Wi-Fi at the Huron City police station meant there were no copies uploaded to the digital cloud. The only thing up in the cloud right now was my hope of getting a story that would propel me out of Huron City.
3: You've been listening to Anson Pavlov as Archie Fruber, Scott Joseph as Dennis Blaine, Leah Gray as Tabitha Chocolate. Jamie Leslie as Bella. Shawn Michaels as Harvey Scallion. Aisha Candisha as Amora Anderson. Paul Miller as Detective Lenny Holbin. And Jake Buckley as Eddie Spangler. Blood Diner was written and directed by Daniel Williams. The show was produced by Daniel Williams and Anson Pavlov with sound editing and music by Anson Pavlov. Blood Diner was recorded at Parallel Studios and is an Albion Fields production for Huron City Radio.